Hello, my friend, and welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast, the show that's all about helping you perform at an optimum level. I am Mr. Productivity, and it is my passion, my obsession in life to teach you how to be productive in our distracted world. And one of the ways I do that is by inviting you to join the free seven-day productivity challenge. Give me two minutes a day for a week, and I will teach you strategies on how to be more productive. Get on the seven-day productivity challenge by going to my website, mrproductivity.com. Mr. is all spelled out, Mr productivity.com. Today on the show, Brian Felchuk, we are going to be talking about relationships. You are in so many relationships, you probably take a lot of them for granted. But in the conversation with Brian today, we're going to talk about strategies and how you can improve those relationships today. Brian, what is up? Hey, how are you doing, Mark? I am in fantastic. I'm a little disappointed that someone up in Canada, one of those kids, left the door <laughs> open because two hours ago, we're recording this listener uh, yesterday on Monday afternoon. It was 75 degrees. 90 minutes later, it was 55. So please shut that door up there, would you please? I, you know, Canadians are nice. I don't know that they really did that, but we'll we'll have to find out. I, I'm, it's my story. I'm sticking to it, Brian. It is my All show. Right. All right. <laughs> well, listen, welcome back to the podcast. You are on episode 163 all the way back on May 31st, 2018, and uh, loved your show then, although I can't remember verbatim. I've done a few episodes since then. Yeah, but just a couple. <laughs> we're going to be talking about relationships today and more specifically about the dysfunction. Now, mm. are you telling me that there's dysfunctions in relationships in our world, Brian? Surely not. Yeah, but it's it's all their fault, right, Mark? That's uh, <laughs> that's kind of the the heart of it. Like, look, we we have relationships everywhere, um, and whether they go well or they don't go so well, they could always go better. And that's kind of what what I'm focused on right now is how can we make those relationships work better, regardless of how they're working, whether we would typify them as dysfunctional or maybe just you know there's room for it to be better than it is. I think it's funny that I'm 54 years young now, and I think it wasn't until like four years ago that I realized the universe did not revolve around me. And when you're in relationships, if you think you're the center of the world, it makes it very difficult to have, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, simpatico relationships. Yeah, because yeah. you think, oh, it's all about me, 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 me. And yeah. no, there's other people on this planet. So let's talk a little bit about, first of all, how do you define a dysfunctional relationship? Because I'm sure you're not talking just marriage. You're probably talking about any. No, this, yeah, it, it's universal. Like every interaction we have with a person, whether it's a, an ongoing one or a once and done, you know, someone we were stuck in traffic, traffic with or um, someone who, who read my latest book, texted me that they used the approach at the gas station with the person at the pump next to them. So like, that's hopefully not, well, I don't know how it went, but maybe not someone who they're ever <laughs> going to see again, all the way through to, you know, our spouses, our family members, you know, our parents, our siblings, our kids, our bosses, our coworkers, those who work for us. It, it's humans, right? It's everyone around us. And those relationships are what end up building up the show that is our life that we're at the center of, mm. right? It's, it's all, it's all the, the me show and these are all the other actors and actresses around us in it. But how those relationships go, uh, you know, dysfunctional is, is about not having as much positivity, productivity, support, love, happiness, you know, whatever, whatever your hope for that, that relationship is in terms of the outcome or the dynamic, not having enough of that in it. 
And for some, it's really overt. You know, there's the, that nasty person you don't want to be around or interact with all the way through to, you know, how many marriages out there where you're sort of like almost roommates, you're like coexisting, but are you really engaged in a marriage uh, meaningfully and with the same energy that you went into it? You know, so there's all, all kinds of things on that spectrum. Interesting thing I learned at church a couple of weeks ago, the pastor talked about that Christian marriages, 50% of Christian marriages end in divorce. But of those other 50%, this is what really stunned me. Only 25% of those people would say they would remarry the same spouse again. Mm. That's just a microcosm of Christian marriages. And it really struck me. I'm like, then you sit there in church, like, oh my gosh, would I remarry my wife? You know, you know, you know, seventeen years later, and it's really yeah. because we think, oh, you know, we had the marriage ceremony, we're all happy, and yeah. you know, but that is like, it. Marriage takes a lot of work. All relationships mm-hmm. take a lot of work, and yeah. whether it's with your kids or your coworkers or your colleagues. You, you you can't phone it in if you really want to have a dynamic relationship. In my opinion, yeah. you, you're probably yeah. more an expert than I am. You really have to put some effort into it. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely true. And I think, you know, what your pastor was sharing is whether the stats are exactly the same. They're probably pretty close for most folks out there. And the same goes for a lot of other contexts we're in. You know, whether it's a, a professional setting that you know how many people go to work and wish they weren't going Mm. you know and and it's like well it's your job you're supposed to feel that way well not necessarily you're supposed to dislike your boss no you're not and it's possible to not feel that way about the situation and the other thing is people assume that what i'm talking about is fixing all of them so like you know you're in an abusive relationship it doesn't mean stay with the person so this isn't as simple as just like every bad situation becomes good and then it's all fine it may mean that you walk away, but how you walk away and what's left of you and the way that you carry on going forward when you've walked away, that can be better. And, you know, you, you hear the, uh, the fashionable term out of Hollywood, the conscious uncoupling. People joke about that. Well, actually, that's not so bad as a, or so, so bad. Uh, um, you know, as a child of divorce myself, I wish my parents had consciously uncoupled. That would have been a lot better for everyone. I don't wish they stayed married. You know, that was the wrong answer for them, but wouldn't it have been nice if it was friendlier, happier, more supportive? That's the relationship they have today, 30 something years later. But while the divorce was going on, it was incredibly painful. You know, kids thrown in the middle, lots of fighting, lots of instability. That doesn't have to be the way, even if you still split up. So better, you know, while, while relationships and what could be better about them is really dynamic and falls along a spectrum, so so does the definition of better itself. And that could include the end of the relationship or maybe the transition to a different kind of relationship or a different context to that relationship. Yeah, I think we have to be really careful of what I call pushing the rope. I mean, if if there's nothing there, yeah. I think you need to be cognizant of that. But more than that, I mean, I'm not a fan of divorce. You know, as a biblical Christian, I believe you, once you're married, then there's only very few grounds that you can actually get a biblical divorce. But I think it comes in the beginning before you say I do, you know, don't mm-hmm. rush in the marriage. You need to decide, yeah. okay, is this the right person? Because when you're dating or courting, as some people say, you're only going to see the best parts of that person. Now, I'm not saying you should move in. I'm not a big fan of people living together before they get married. That's my personal opinion. But 
How well do you know the person? And I see a lot of people rushing to get married, then they get divorced, rushing to get married again, they get divorced. I'm like, are, are you stopping and just going, uh, you know, let me just, let me take my time with this. Do you think some of the part, and we're going to get to other kind of relationships in a minute, but do you think some of the part problem with marriages is people are just rushing into it because they think it's all going to be wedded bliss. They don't stop and, and let it naturally progress. Yeah. I mean, I think that regardless of how much time elapses or not, you know, time in and of itself is, you know, you hear people in a business context saying like, oh, well, they've, you know, they deserve the promotion. They've been at the job for X amount of years. It's like, well, time is not a skill set. Tenure right. is not a skill. So if you spent five years together, people are like, when are you guys going to get married? Well, the fact that you spent time, five years together or whatever the time is, that in and of itself does not mean you're ready to get married or you have to get married. And actually that ends up being the driver for some of these marriages that maybe shouldn't have happened or shouldn't have happened when they happen. Because it's about the work you're doing. It's about your understanding. It's about your commitment to that relationship and understanding the other person and what their desires and goals are so that you can be, you know, in that together, not just because the clock says it's been this long. And so now like, well, at some point, you know, you gotta, you gotta make the commitment. Well, maybe you should be moving on. You know, maybe you're not right for each other, but have you figured that out? And just because it's been seven years doesn't mean you suddenly understand that. Right. I think uh, the the thing that comes to mind is a lot of Hollywood marriages. They come and go, but there's some yeah. people in Hollywood like Jay Leno, been married like 35, 40 years. And he, you know, it's great marriage. So I, I think I once heard a pastor say marriage is not 50, 50. It's a hundred percent, hundred percent. I don't mm. think you say, I'm going to come in the halfway mark and stop. I think you have to give it your all. And yeah. your spouse has to give it an all. And I think even in relationships, whether you have a friend or a colleague, you can't say, well, okay, well, they didn't give a lot, so I'm going to give a little. I think yeah. if you want a vibrant relationship, you got to say, okay, listen, I want to, I'm going to do my part to yeah. make this relationship work. You can't say, well, if they do this, I'll do this. I don't yeah. think that's a relationship. Would you agree? No, I would. And it's interesting you bring up the 50 50 because the, the, the approach that I talk about, I call it the 50 75 100 solution. And it, the starting idea is this kind of stuck notion we get in that it's 50 50, that it's me against you. It's, you know, this is why I said like, uh, it's, it's not me. I'm fine. It's the other person, you know, like we, it's my half is good, but they're this way and there's nothing I can do about it. You know, I have no control. I have no influence. I have no agency over their behavior. And so while I'm a nice person, a good person, I'm not doing anything bad. Look at how they're treating me. Look at, you know, they did this. So it made me feel this way. It made me react this way, but that's all on them. They're half of it. And it's this sort of mindset that is both destructive and at the same time, really uh, unsettling because we feel powerless. And that tends to be the impetus for a lot of problems in life when we feel like we have no control or power. And I think this is an unhelpful mindset. So you say it's a hundred, a hundred. And essentially what I try to do is get to 100% better through recognizing it's not such a hard wall between us. We actually do have some influence and some power and some agency in the situation beyond just our own half. But it takes deeper understanding to get to that. It's interesting because one of the things I have learned, and it took me almost 17 years of marriage with my wife to realize that when she wants to talk, I should zip my lip. I should be mm. quiet, let her talk. And then wait for her to say, what do you think? But mm. as a man, one of the things I make a mistake of is like just jumping in and cutting her off and not getting the whole story. So yeah. what I've been intentional, that's a big word, intentional about is say, okay, let me just 
be quiet and let her talk. And sometimes, amazingly, they just want to talk. They just want to have a sense of being heard. And I find this in my relationships with my friends. If sometimes they may have a bad day, they're frustrated, whatever, they just want to talk. They don't want your solution. And I think if we put on, uh, as Judge Judy says, putting our listening, listening ears on and listen, maybe they just want to talk, but we're so, we're so keen on giving our thoughts that they came to us because we're probably a trusted source and they just yeah. want to talk and, and if they need help. They'll say, well, Brian, what do you think? Instead of yeah. just, you just jumping in there. Yeah. You know, and I mean, look, that resonates for me my whole life. I've been a fixer and it's served me really well. Um, you know, there's, there's a lot of my backstory where that fixer mentality was groomed and strengthened and it saved me in a lot of situations. And it's also cost me because I've jumped in with fixing when actually that's not what the person wants. And so instead of helping them, I end up blocking what they actually would like. Uh, and so you think you're making it better and then they react poorly to you and then you react poorly to them because you're just trying to help and they don't understand. Now they're being so mean and they're taking out this other problem they're having. They're taking it out on you. And it's like, no, you're, you're all missing each other here. They didn't want you to fix it. They just wanted to be heard. You misunderstood that. And so now you're contributing to it. But because you only see your intention as good without recognizing that the good that you think isn't the good that they think is going on. You've created a problem here. And so now you're just feeling like they're just being mean and this becomes a 50 50. Mm. Well, let's get practical here, Brian, because I'm a big yeah. fan of simplicity. So let's say someone's listening to this conversation of ours and they go, okay, Brian, you convinced me the world doesn't revolve around me. I have a dysfunctional relationship, whether that's a, a, a mate or that's a friend Let's talk about some simple things that people can do in order yeah. to not so much fix, but maybe do what they can to make the relationship better. Yeah. And so it starts in seeing how you get beyond the 50. And so what we have to do is actually break down each of our halves. And what we find is we're each split in half again. It's not me versus you. I've got two halves to me. Half of me is my actions. So what I'm independently choosing to put out into the world and the other half of me is my reactions. So this is how I'm responding to what I'm taking in from you. And the same dynamics going on in them. And it's in recognizing that they're half action and half reaction. Only their reactions are in response to us. That's where your power starts coming from. So instead of feeling powerless in their half, recognize that you actually can influence half of what's going on in them because you're the source of their reaction. So it's not 50-50. You actually have 75% of this relationship in your control or influence, just like they do. So actually, you can each start to affect change in each other. And that, when I realized that, I was like, oh, you know, maybe I'm not as helpless in this. Maybe it's not as dire as I think it is if I can just figure out how to affect that change. Just like you said, if you just listen to your wife instead of pressing your view on her for the solution, when that's not what she really wants, the problem kind of goes away on its own because she feels heard. So it's like what you've done there is the first of these three principles that I talk about to get into the 75% is something called happiness seeking. And it's a, a Buddhist idea, but it's basically thinking about what is the happiness they seek. Because ultimately, no matter what we do, we don't do it out of maliciousness. We do it for bad reasons. We do it because we want something. There's some happiness we're seeking. And sometimes... The other person may be standing in the way, or we may perceive them to be standing in the way. 
So to them, it feels like we're taking action against them, but actually we're taking action towards our happiness and they're a casualty of that. And sometimes we may just be confused about how to go about it. So, you know, I think you're my enemy here or you're my adversary, you're standing in my way, but you aren't really, I just don't understand. So I'm lashing out or I'm pushing you aside, but actually you were trying to be helpful. And, you know, for you to receive that when you're trying to be helpful, then you, you react a certain way. So we end up battling where actually it's just, I'm not doing this to be bad to you or to snap at you or push you aside. I'm doing this because I want something. And I thought you were against that. So I, I reacted poorly because I saw my happiness being threatened. So when you recognize that there's this underlying desire that we all have, you and me on both sides of this equation, we just seek to be happy. What it, it does is it helps you feel less attacked. You know, when someone cuts you off in traffic, I, I, I use this example all the time, but it's a really good one. It's not like they got on the highway looking for your car to get in front of you. It feels that way, doesn't it? Yeah. They're just trying to get where they're going as quickly as possible, just like you. Well, you like I tell people when I happiness. speak from the stage is I say, you know, maybe they just got a phone call that their child is being rushed to the emergency room. Exactly. Like you said, you, we don't know why yeah. they cut us off. Yeah. You don't, you don't know what's going on. You just know they cut you off and you take it personally. But if you step back and you say, well, hang on, maybe there's an emergency or maybe they just want to get where they're going. Well, I understand that. I want to get where I'm going. And for whatever reason, you know, they were confused about it. They just decided if I'm one car further up, even though it's not safe to do this, <laughs> I'm going to be happier. Look, they're confused in the delivery of it, but that's why they did it. It's, it's hard to feel attacked or or singled out when you start to recognize that oh they have the same drivers i did they just maybe they made a bad choice around it but it, it wasn't about me they don't even know the first thing about me or maybe you know they don't like the color of my car whatever it is but like it's not really about me so if you don't feel as attacked the chance that you're going to react negatively drops down and it starts to make space for you to start to give a different version of yourself to them to react to because what do we do when we get cut off Maybe not everybody, but a lot of us, certainly up here in the Boston area, we will try to cut that person back off <laughs> or, or maybe one of our fingers rises up and the other stay down. <laughs> These are not things that will lead to a calm, friendly, uh, supportive situation. These are things that will amplify the problem. To road rage. You know, yeah. And, yeah. and so then you start, you know, you get in tit for tat, cutting each other off. You, maybe you cause an accident or someone else, you, you anger someone else in the process. There, there's all these negative spirals that kick out from that. If you react differently, you give them a different version. You, know, you back off. You let them get where they're going. I, I let people in. And I'm always nervous to say that because I'm like, whoever's listening, if they ever see me on the highway, they'd be like, there he is. Go. He'll let you in. <laughs> but the reality is like, look, if someone's trying to get somewhere and I step aside and I put my hand out or I wave them on and that helps them get where they're going. And like you said, maybe they've just gotten some terrible news. If that makes them feel a little bit less stressed or angry or upset right now, that's a good thing. Yeah, I'll tell you one thing I like to do is when I'm going down, like here in Houston, we have this major road. It's not a yeah. highway. It's called Westheimer. It's like five lanes or four lanes each way. Mm. And at certain times of day, it gets really, really backed up. And so what I like to do, if I see someone trying to come out of the parking lot, I will let them in. Now, I don't believe in karma, but I believe, hey, listen. This person, why should they wait 
for maybe there's not going to be a single other person like me who's going to let them in. And I just wave them in and there's sometimes they're shocked. Like, Oh, thank you. I'm like, it just takes a second. You know, like you said, it's one car length. They're not going to get anywhere faster than me. This one car length. But I think if we all did that, we said, look at, well, this is one person, not everybody in, but if you just let one person in and the next guy lets one person in, all of a sudden everyone gets where they want to get. And we're all in a better frame of mind. Yeah. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I mean, I see it on my commute in the mornings. There's there's a merge. And typically, it's one car from each side goes in turns. And you'll always see that one person who they're going to cut in and make it two from their side, and they're going to win. And, uh, you know, I always just have this thought. It's like, what are, what are they going through? You know, what is it that they're experiencing where they feel like, I need to get one car ahead right now? I need to, you know, I'm going to punish that person. They're not going to get in front of me. I'm better than these are, it's, it's sad. And so if that's where they're at and I'm that one person, I'll let them go. Cause obviously there's some insecurity there and that's, that's an upsetting place to be. And if me doing that releases some of that insecurity or helps them to be less that way, maybe they're not going to hurt someone else. You know, maybe there's, there's someone else down the road that, if, if these feelings keep spiraling for them, is there going to be a worse outcome than just cutting in front of somebody? Yeah. So I, you know, for me, it's, it's helped me to feel much less attacked and look, it's easier in traffic than it is in, you know, in our household or when your job is in jeopardy, you know, your boss is yelling at you or, or whatever. Um, so there's lots of different situations that will test us in different ways, but when you recognize they just seek happiness, just like you. And for whatever reason, they may believe that you stand in the way or they may be confused about how to achieve that happiness and you're being hurt in the process. It feels less intentional and it allows you to not react in the same way. And then what you're doing is giving them a different version of you to react to. So now instead of this vicious cycle where we're you know hitting each other back and forth, you've given them something better to react to. And so the idea then is they're going to react better which you will then react better to. And the vicious becomes a virtuous cycle. So it ends up reinforcing and it may take time and it may not get to perfection. You know, it doesn't mean that in every tough situation, we end up skipping off into the distance, holding hands, but it can be better than it is right now. And, you know, that includes relationships that need to end jobs that you need to walk away from, et cetera. You can still leave in a better way with less collateral damage along the way. And that's, you know, maybe that's as much better as we can hope for in that situation, but I'll take it because you got to think about where it would have been otherwise. Yeah. I, you know, in 2019, we're about ready to enter 2020. I see so many people are so angry. Uh, the, the politics. Mm. I mean, I, I, 90 days ago, I stopped watching the news. I mean, I don't Good even know what's going on because yeah. it was making me feel angry and anxious and overwhelmed and frustrated. Yeah. And someone suggests I do a, a news fast. And within a day, I'm like, Oh my gosh, I feel so much better. And now yeah. you talk about reacting. Now I react in a totally different way because now I'm not like barraged by all this negativity from the news. And now I find out that I'm more, I'm more calmer. I'm more pleasant when I react. And so yeah. listener, you might want to think about doing news fast. You don't need to know what goes on in Washington every second of the day. Take a break. Yeah. You're not going to miss anything. If something happens, like a satellite's going to fall on your head, I promise you, you'll, someone will find <laughs> out. They'll tell you. Well, so that's, what's so funny to me. Anytime, you know, I've talked about that because it is such a negative influence. And the first reaction I always get from people is, well, how do you know what's going on in the world? And it's like the real things that are going on in the world actually still surface. 
Yes. It's this nonsense of every day. And look, it's all fake news anyway, right? So what are, what are you missing? <laughs> um, not to feed into it. But right. that's the reality is people are either fooling themselves or being fooled into thinking you need to consume all this nonsense, constant anger and hatred and us against them mentality to find out what's going on in the world. No. That's yeah. just not the case. Well, like I tell people, uh, like someone told me a couple of days ago that, you know, the Trump was being impeached. I'm like, oh, really? I mean, you may think, well, you don't know that. I'm like, I don't watch the news. And I'm like, it yeah. doesn't matter whether he gets impeached or not. I still have things I have to do today and tomorrow and Wednesday. Nothing that happens in Washington is going to affect what I have to do. And I think people get so wrapped up, Democrat, Republican, whatever, they're all fighting. I'm like, I got a job to do. I got things I have to do for my clients and my podcast yeah. guests. Yeah. And I think people get so wrapped up into this news and they get so wound up like a tight rubber band is that they're snapping at people. They're cutting people off in traffic and they're, you know, they're making stupid decisions when they should just like take a breath and say, okay, my aunt, she's a 82 year old woman who served our country in the army says, you know, does it affect world peace? I love that. Does it affect world peace? And I think oh. so many things we're thinking affect world peace, and it really doesn't. And what's doing is tying us up in knots. Yeah, it's funny. If you actually listen to it, then it affects world peace because it's making us all hate each other. So if you stop paying attention <laughs> to it, then it actually has no effect on world peace. It's, it's the same thing when people are like, well, it's not brain surgery. We're not saving lives. It's like, can you just check yourself for a moment here? It really doesn't. And, and if he actually gets impeached, you'll find out. If we have a different president, you'll find out, right? Like yeah. that will come to the surface and you'll know. And so if you miss all of the mudslinging that goes on in between, are you actually worse off? I don't think so. And what are you going to do differently or what are you going to do about it? Nothing. So yeah, why get caught up in all of that negativity? Now, it's interesting. Why do they need you to know that? You know, it's like I, I'm vegan and some people get really, um, like angry with me about it and they start demanding answers from me. And what they're doing is they're defending the way that they eat and they see me and my choices as a commentary on them. And they're uncomfortable about that. Or I don't, I don't drink. And I get the same thing where I was joking with my wife about this guy we used to work with who really went off on me for not drinking. And he's like, I would never be in a social scene without a drink. That is ridiculous. And how dare, and I'm like, <laughs> and what I realized is, this guy's very uncomfortable not having a drink or being uncomfortable in how much he's drinking and me not drinking makes that front and center for him. You know, it's interesting you say that because a couple months ago, I had a guest on the show called the skeptical vegan and he was, his story okay. was he's a carnivore and overnight he became a vegan. And yeah. I like, you know, so I'm never going to be vegan. Never. I like my meat. Well, three weeks ago, I just had to go vegetarian. And okay. what's amazing, and I'm doing it more from a productivity standpoint. I want to see how I feel. Yeah. I run every day, as you know, and I actually yep. feel better when I run. But it's amazing. People ask me, why did you go vegetarian? And I used to try to defend it. And I'm like, why do you care? I'm not yeah, saying yeah. it's not the law. I'm not saying you have to. It's like I drink yeah. water for 90 days in a row. I, I only drink water. I don't drink any other beverage. Yeah. And people go, why? I'm like, why do you, again, why do you care? What does they're, it matter? They're, yeah. they're just, I mean, this is what I, it, it works for me. The vegan works for you. And I'm like, yeah. you need to figure out what works for you. If you want to eat processed foods all day long and, and, and get real overweight and have you know, clogged arteries, fine. But don't, don't come after me. I don't say, well, why do you eat meat or why do you yeah. drink soda? I mean, it's, it's my choice, but I'm just amazing. When you said you're vegan, people ask us why I'm like, I'm like, why do you care? Why does it bother yeah. you? I mean, like the guy with the drink, it's like, really? 
That's yeah. that's that, I think I think there's more to it. Obviously, you know this. There's more to it than just like, oh, why don't you drink? There's something underneath that we probably don't know. Yeah, and so this goes right back to my point because you can feel, you know, that where do you get your protein from? God, I've gotten that question so many yes. times. You know, in or B12, yeah. Yeah, right, right. I get my B12 from B12 supplement. That's an easier one to answer. But um, you know, <sighs> I can feel like, why are they questioning me? Why are you attacking me? Why do you, you know, versus there's something going on in them. It's not about me. I'm just bringing something to the surface for them. Either they genuinely are curious, maybe they're interested in it. And so they want more understanding or they're uncomfortable with something or they're feeling threatened. And those are the things that are going on. It's not about me right now. I could be anybody who doesn't eat meat. You know, I just happen to be the one who's standing in front of them. Yeah. And so for me to not get worked up and have to start defending myself, you know, one of these, like, there's a joke that, uh, what was it like, what do you, what do vegans, how do vegans get their protein or what do vegans eat at a dinner party? And the answer is something like, don't worry, they'll tell you. Cause like they get all <laughs> preachy. So people, you know, they hear them vegan and they're like looking for the hacky sack and the dreadlocks and whatever. Like <laughs> I'm not, I, I'm, I'm plant-based sometimes I say so that it doesn't elicit the same kind of thoughts. I'm not doing this for you. So if you're going to start attacking me about it and I'm feeling a certain way and I feel like I have to be defensive, well, what does that say about why I'm doing this? Yeah. If I need to start defending myself and getting worked up about the questions, maybe I'm not doing this for the same reasons I thought I was. So it, all of our behaviors are really just kind of windows into what's going on under the surface. And the question is how much you're willing to get in touch with that, both yourself and think about what happiness the other person might seek. And whether what you're doing seems to be a threat to that, you know, standing in the way or just misaligned with it. Good points. Good points. Well, Brian, I, I don't want to, we could go on longer, but I want the listener to get their appetite wet and then wetted, wetted? To wet their episode. I guess that's it's the word. Uh, Wedded. I, yeah. <laughs> I was not an English major, so uh, <laughs> no okay. apologies for that. Um, so tell us more where we can find, where we can find you online. Yeah, so people can go to brianfalchuk.com. It's B-R-Y-A-N-F-A-L-C-H-U-K.com. And you can find all about me at TED Talks. You can pick up the book that's the basis of what we're talking about, the 5075-100 solution, or my other book that we talked about last time, Do a Day. And uh, and you can follow me all over social media where I follow Mark as well. <laughs> so it's a way to get a direct link into Mark's headband running picks. <laughs> um, and I'm at Brian Felchuk all over social media. And I would just want to set the gauntlet down for the listener is, are you, when you seek for happiness, because you are seeking for happiness, whether you think you are or not. Exactly. How are you going about it? So I just want you listener to think about that. Okay. Based on our conversation today, I want you to maybe schedule 30 minutes on your schedule and go someplace quiet and just think about you're seeking happiness. How's that affecting you? How's it affecting people around you? Because I think if you just like do it in the you know, two minutes at the supermarket or at the red light, you're not really going to do it justice. I really want you to sit down and think about it, not talking to other people, not listening to music. Just think about your seeking happiness, how it affects you and others. Because I think, Brian, if they do this, it, it could very well yield some insights that they if they don't take the time, they're going to miss. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, look, that's a, that's really good advice in general um, to spend more time with yourself thinking about what's going on in your head and in your heart. 
And um, this is one of those key things that we can do because it's it's kind of a foundational point. It's what you really care about. So yeah, spend that time. Absolutely. Well, Brian, thank you so much for being on the show again. You brought the value and I, I really uh, appreciate your time and attention. You are a rock star. Thank you, man. Thanks for having me on, Mark. And just before we go, don't forget to head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Join the free seven-day productivity challenge. While you're there, you can also find out about my one-on-one productivity coaching. You can find out about my course. And speaking about finding out things, you can also find out where I am on social media because I would love to hear from you because if you don't reach out to me, it's a one-way conversation and I don't want one-way conversations. I want to have a conversation with you. So find out where I am on social media, send me a DM and see, see if I don't reply back to you. I appreciate your time and attention for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski podcast. If you haven't done so already, please subscribe and tell three of your friends about it so that I can get the word out and help more people. Until we meet again, my friend, you know what to do. Go be productive.